0: It's time for the... What in the? ...podcast.
1: Hi, folks. On tonight's episode, we have a special interview. His name is Dennis Carroll. He is a paranormal investigator. He's been in the business for 50-plus years uh, as well as that, he's also a consultant, author, and podcast host. Anything else you want to add to that, Dave?
0: And he's lots of fun. I,
1: I'll give you that. He's lots of fun.
0: I could listen to him for hours and hours and hours. I Maybe, hope
1: you can, too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 110 of... What in the? Podcast. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington
0: and Adriana Camido and Tracy Lynn Hernandez.
1: Hello, and welcome to the What in the Podcast. Hello. Hi, hi, hi.
2: Hello,
1: hello. hello. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're always eh.
0: I've been really sick recently, so eh is all you're getting.
1: Okay. <laughs> How you feeling right now? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tracy?
3: Let's see. We have power. My my house is mildly leaking from the storms. The little girls I nanny are, are, are tonight with mom and dad, even though their house is one-third flooded from the storms.
4: Because
3: mm-hmm. the roof decided to separate from... The house, right over the girls' beds. <laughs> wow, but yeah.
1: Speaking of flooding, I'm quite
3: mobile.
1: yeah. Well, speaking of flooding, how's the flooding around your place? I know you had some flooding uh, with the last storm.
3: So the New Year's Eve storm roll through, put two inches of water in the kids' room, and we've been bailing out. Or I, dad bailed out like seven gallons. Roommate bailed out like five or six gallons. I failed out seven-ish gallons. We've been emptying it every time there's a rainstorm coming through. It got up to about halfway um, across the floor with about two, two and a half inch height on the front end of it because of the the angle of the slab.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. And uh, yeah, Um, the next storm front coming through should be interesting and we developed leaks in the workshop but thankfully the leaks in the workshop are uh, in non danger zones because um evidently shingles blew off my roof yeah that's
1: wonderful it's our yeah <laughs> well
3: but the good news is I, I have spare shingles in the shed so we should be good
1: well we know what it's like when the, we we now know what it's going to be like when the apocalypse hits because we were without power for 2 days yeah, you never
0: realize how much you take power for granted till it's gone.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, where'd it go? I mean, the most we had was was our cell phones, and we we didn't even have service. The best we could do would go charge our phones in the car and hope for the best. Yeah. Thank God for five G.
0: Yeah. No, our five G wasn't working.
1: Well, even. Yeah. Even, well. It yeah, was. it was. It was a little spotty sometimes, a little slow to load. But we met, We weathered the storm. And so did our food. Most of it.
3: It was scary Saturday night when everything started going. Because we got the girls down for bed. They went down really easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Morgan and I were at the house watching them because mom and dad wanted a weekend out. Like, go for it. I'll get the girls for the weekend. I'm the nanny. I can do this. Super grantee to the rescue. Right. And the storm comes through. We hear a crushed thump. We go out the backyard thinking that they're their uh, tree fell over
2: mm-hmm.
3: no not the tree Go out the front yard no not the tree look up that's the roof separating from you know peeling back right Move the girls from the bedroom into the parents room because at least that's away from where the whole thing's going on and the storm is still going call mom and dad tell them hey here's what's going on just just so you know don't rush home because there's no point but remove move the girls to the other side of the house and we sit down No, i go back out to start assessing more of the damage and see it peeling up more as it's you know the roof is it's it's a flat roof with a an overlayment and that overlaying is is peeling backwards right go back inside one more time here thumple 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 more rattling step outside see it's now over you know over half the girls' room is now exposed. And as I'm looking, trying to get a picture of it, there's a neon blue flash in the sky. That's a transformer blowing. Yep. That's it. Pack the girls up, get them up now, get them in the car, call my house, let me know. Do I have power? No. Okay, fine. Do I have a roof? Yes. Good. We're bringing the girls in now. We're camping at our house. And it was awesome to see, to to, to hear that my, my eldest. And one of our roommates jumped to and cleared stuff up and made space for the Carols and I, you know, to trundle to home.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> it was, their beds were soaked. The carpet is still soaked. the, the Their kitchen, their storage room, everything is just... Sounds and like they a, can't do much. The, the, the roofer came out, put a tarp on it, but he can't do anything until the storm stopped because it's going to be two or three days worth of repairs.
1: But they can't get that two or three days. Roof. Yeah, and they can't get that dry. two or three days because the storms are like...
3: Exactly. You get
1: that dry day and then suddenly it's storming again. That's kind of the way it's been. Exactly. Yep. Not
4: every so,
3: yeah. in between. It's been, it's been a week.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, in our complex... You, you, you know what our complex is like. We've got those tall pine trees that surround, surround yes. the building Yeah. Well, two of those came down during the storm. Oh. But we got very lucky. They both came down in the adjacent driveways.
2: They
0: didn't hit anybody. They okay. didn't hit
1: anybody. They didn't break any fences, no houses, no cars. That's awesome. Just a straight down into the road. <laughs> the That's odd,
3: divine fingerprint right
1: there. It's got it's gotta be because the odds of, of two trees falling and not touching anything, I'd say they're fairly astronomical.
3: Yeah, I mean when the tree fell, the next door neighbor's house, the, the last storm front we had here before New Year's, mm-hmm. when it fell between the roommates' cars and my car missing both. Yep. And fell into the street. Like, yep. okay, we have
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely Well, all, yeah. I, all I can say is somebody's going to make a killing on firewood
2: <laughs>
3: yes um, I, I think most of the neighbors around here because we had 21 trees go down that I counted mm-hmm. on the beltway by my house between the uh, Stockton Boulevard and my house and the, the city came up for some of the, the, the chop up and most of it was neighbors coming out and helping neighbors
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think everyone's got a Pretty good, you know, supply of of redwood and some oak and all these wonderful trees to, to or wood to, to to heat the house next year. Yeah. when the wood dries out. Yep.
1: Or if you're a woodworker, <clears throat> some carving, maybe who knows. Yep. All that good stuff. Plenty of wood and plenty of rain and plenty of water. We're, yep. we're just about out of the drought, so they say, but we'll see what happens. Anyway. Let's uh while well, move away from waxing nostalgic here yeah. and talk about tonight's interview. Our interview tonight is uh, Dennis W. Carroll. He is a paranormal consultant, author, podcaster, and investigator covering Fair all answer. Yeah. all, all he, he covers all the range of high strangeness, put it that way. And this man has got a lot of stories to tell. Yes. a lot more than we could cover tonight but we uh hope to have him back hope to have him back in the future and uh we did our best to to sit down and have a nice conversation with him and listen to what he had to say so without further ado let's just get into it here's dennis so our guest tonight has had a career in over 50 plus years in all fields of the paranormal and has many personal supernatural experiences uh, he's a recognized authority on demonology and the occult And he's a national and internationally known writer and published author and folklorist He's made many appearances on tv and radio programs He has also been featured on abc news and usa today uh, His website is available at dennis Carole, Sorry, And his books can be found on amazon and barnes and noble Not to mention he is a co-host of his own podcast Let's welcome tonight Dennis Carroll. Hello, Dennis. How are you tonight?
4: All right. All right. Good evening. Yay! How are you doing? Pretty good. Yay.
1: So yep. now, that I, now that I've tooted your horn here, sir, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know, 50-plus <laughs> years, you don't even look that old. How would you get started? Well, uh, really, I had my
5: first paranormal experience. When I was about, about four, 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere in there, and um, actually where uh, I saw demonic spirits um, come out of a person, three of them actually and go through a wall. It was at a church service and um, that uh, had a very big impression on me I'd always have all my whole life for some weird reason have been interested in the paranormal, uh, the strange and unexplained things but that when that experience sort of lit a fire under me to find out more to understand what I saw, and uh, it led me down many, many different avenues in the fields of the paranormal. Cryptozoology, UFOlogy, Earthlight anomalies, uh, spiritual research, uh, folklore, it goes on and on. It's such a fascinating subject. I call it a
1: diamond. You hold it up to the light, it has many different facets to it. I can't cool. argue with that. That's why we do it, too. We We, yeah. we, we agree on that part. Oh, yeah. So so now you said there were demons how would you know they were demons well
5: uh really at the time didn't really understand what i was seeing you know Mm -hmm. that's why i went in and started immediately doing research and trying to find understand what well uh, when you see something like that again it kind of i don't know it, it kind of your, your life turns another corner, so to speak. You see things out of a different perspective of things, uh, the way things are.
2: Mm-hmm. And
5: when I saw that, this is, well, I'll, I'll lay out what exactly happened. I was, uh, at, at a church service and, um, there was something strange went on up at the front. So I mean, I wasn't paying, you know, being young, wasn't paying a whole lot of attention not at then. And, uh, and, I, and it kind of caught my attention. There was something going on with the pianist, the guy that, the man that played the piano. And uh, he was banging on the keys doing some weird stuff, you know, with, the, with this sort of wild stuff, you know. And the uh, minister and I started praying for him, said, everybody in the church, he said, I want you to, you know, lower your lower your eyes and pray, you know, don't, you know, just you know, close your eyes and pray with them. I didn't. I kept watching. I kept looking because I knew something was really out of whack here, you know. And um, while I was watching, and they were praying for this man, and several of them went up there and kind of laid hands on him and started praying for this guy. And while I was watching these three balls of light, that's why the only way I can describe them, they were soccer ball size, dirty, light. It was dark-looking. It wasn't a bright light, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
5: sort of dark, I called it dirty light, and there were three of them, one by one came out of this man and went through the wall of the church, and I'm like there sitting there with my jaw on the floor looking at this, you know, did I see that? And it took me several months after that experience to really realize what I saw. I mean, you know, I kept denying, oh, I didn't see that, it must have been a trick of a lie. I kept trying to explain it away to myself because really when you're confronted with the unknown which is one of the greatest fears known to mankind by the way uh when you're confronted with the unknown you can either your reaction is either to fight it or to flee from it you know and mm-hmm. i was kind of mm-hmm. fighting it you know kind of said oh, i just i did really eventually had to be honest with myself and say hey i saw that now i got to understand what it was you know right, because right. i'm not one given from i don't i wasn't on drugs I was not given to prone um, hallucinations or flights of fancy like that. I mean, I, I've always been a very practical person,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
5: And to see something like that disturbs you to the inner core to a certain extent, especially spiritually. Um, and that's when I began to investigate demonology, which has been one of my big slices of the paranormal pie, you might say. Right. Um, that's what got me started in that.
1: Great. Well, we're glad you're a part of our community, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So you, you've done a lot of uh, consultation work, uh, I understand, too, yeah. as well as research and study. I've had, uh, I've had a lot of people from all over the world,
5: different parts of the world, contact me with demonology-type questions or, or incidents they've had and all that. And I've counseled them a lot of times on you know their problems
2: mm-hmm.
5: uh and it goes it goes past just different into different religions too, religious aspects you know i've, I've always sort of been an anthropologist at heart i really uh, found interesting the different uh, religious beliefs of people the belief factors that they have um although i am sort of more of a, i lean towards to more of a christian perspective i understand there are other different perspectives on these things you know mm-hmm. but i've actually counseled people who were uh, hindus uh people who were completely different religions from where i was but we still share that common denominator in the belief of these type of things these whatever name you want to give them the jen the demons or whatever name you your religion incentivize them most religions of the world most religious beliefs encompass the belief of evil spirits you know and so that's, that's a little touchstone that we all have you know
1: right mm-hmm. definitely <clears throat> excuse me sorry so your focus is um paranormal but you deal a lot with folklore and myth as well mm-hmm. is that correct yeah
5: mm-hmm. I kind of go along with J.R.R. Tolkien who said that he believes that
2: every myth and legend has some truth to it and I, I, do, I do as well mm-hmm. um
5: it's very fascinating. Folklore has always been one of my. Being born in the South, folklore is a big thing in the South. Uh, it ties in a lot to cultures worldwide, especially most all cultures embrace folklore, some type or another. I was telling the other day about the Irish, which is where I mainly come from. The Irish kept their history alive vocally. Mm-hmm. You know, they would tell their. They never wrote until recent. You know, medieval times actually ever wrote their history down they right. it was all
1: you know a lot of oral uh, tradition yeah. mm-hmm. so it's fascinating
5: that you can get into these cultural beliefs and the, the different regions that they're in and other things you know to me it's uh, another part of folklore that
1: i find interesting mm-hmm. and um so you're using that as a means to tie in um with the paranormal and the supernatural um uh-huh. Because, like you said, everything is is connected in some way or other. Um, With with every bit of myth, there's a a little bit of fact involved there, correct? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, There's always
5: a base to it. Uh, I think one of my most favorite quotes is uh, by Herbert Spencer. Uh, You know, that every myth and legend known to mankind is not without its authentic foundation. It began somewhere. And it usually began in something that was true or something somebody saw or experienced or whatever the case may be. When I first got into the paranormal cat the one thing that really stuck on me, you might say, uh, like, like glue, was the fact that in every culture in the world, they shared a belief in giants, witches, shapeshifters, vampires, ghosts, dragons. The list went on, and I kept saying, what's going on here? I mean, the Eskimo believe in this. And then the illusions or, or and the different different races all over the world believed in these same things
2: mm-hmm.
5: uh and i believe the belief in dragons by the way had to have been and i don't go along with science on this i believe that at one time or another people actually encountered dinosaurs they had to because the, the memory is there and it shows up in folklore and that's why i say so many times the clues of the evidence and things that we seek can be found <laughs> A lot of times in folklore,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, no, and we I, look at him. yeah. And I wouldn't disagree with you on that note. I mean, the stories like, like uh, the Thunderbird, for for instance. Uh yeah. my personal feelings on that is that is a representation of a pterodactyl. A pterodactyl.
5: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, there is a, in folklore in the I think it's in the Appalachian folklore. The saligaster mm-hmm. which is described mm-hmm. almost exactly like a pterodactyl yeah yeah, and yet it's also sometimes called a thunderbird because it flies uh, you would have and here's the interesting thing about the thunderbird and uh, and my co-host my host uh, on the, on my house high strangeness is a um, an American native we've talked a lot about thunderbirds I like that that's one of my favorite cryptids um, the, one of the reasons why it was called thunder I think was not only because it's associated with storms and rain and all that of course but also it would make a terrible a bird or a thing that that size taking off would make a terrible racket mm-hmm. with its wings it would sound like thunder would it not a little bit you know I would so, so, uh, yeah. you have
1: to, under- to kind of see
5: through their eyes a little bit at what maybe they were looking at or right. I'm just trying to understand. Definitely. But that's the neat thing about folklore.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of, of cryptids, have you yourself ever encountered one?
5: Yeah, I actually had a run in with Bigfoot or something similar to that. Uh, I was in the uh, deep in the woods one night with two other guys and we were doing a, a tiger hunt kind of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with tiger hunts in India. But they would, uh, that's where you get the term beating the bushes at. You've heard that term, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would actually beat bushes and go out and, be, and try to scare game into a certain avenue where you want it to go. Right. Well, I was kind of doing this with, uh, there had been reports of Bigfoot in this area. And uh, we had heard a few tree knocks during the night. Uh, and I mean, I'm going to tell you what, when you're out in those woods, away from any kind of ambient light, you just really don't realize how dark it can be. I mean, I could not hardly even see my hand in front of my face. It was that dark. But I'm sitting out there all along, and I've got two guys on going way out, several yards out from me on either side. And I said, I'm going to stay in the middle and see if anything comes this way. You know? Um, and I had a, a, a night scope, a vision night vision scope. I had a monocular, which is one eye and I was looking through it. Now, I don't know if you've ever used one of those, but they will begin to hurt your eye after a while. hmm Mm -hmm. You know, they they will kind of, so I was kind of resting my eye a
2: minute.
5: I had been looking around, you know, and it was a very still, and it was a moonless night. There was no moon. We had just only those the stars. And um, I had this thing on, and I was looking around, but then I turned it off a minute, and I was resting my eye. Of course, that's the one time something would happen. (laughs) That's the way it goes, you know. Uh, So uh, (laughs) that's like the guy that said, hey, there's Bigfoot. Get the worst camera we got, and let's take a picture of it. So, uh, anyway, uh, there I was with this binocular, and I raised, and as soon as I felt this movement in front of me, I raised the monocular up to see what I could see. Well, just like in a flash of lightning, you know, just that quick image, uh, there was this sapling in front of me moving. It was probably, maybe, this whole thing took place about six yards from me, okay? And, um, I seen the sapling, about six foot size, like something that had brushed it, you know, and it was still moving. And I, I was immediately looking around, and I got up, because I had been sitting there, I got up looking, and I saw something go behind this huge oak tree in front of me, about the same distance away, about six yards. And what I saw, I can only describe <laughs> this, it was sort of a cinnamon brown color the hair on it, and I'd always thought, and like I said, I've been over thousands of reports, one of the first investigations I ever did was an actual Bigfoot investigation, back when I was about 16, 17 years old. Anyway, uh, uh, this thing moved and went right behind the tree, and all I could see was one side of it, never to get to see the face, just a little bit of the head and one side of it and the arm. It was almost like it held it like it was going to hug around the behind sure. behind the tree, and his arm moved like that. And when he did it, it had, I always thought Bigfoot had kind of short hair, you know. But this had long hair, like hanging off of his arm. not mm-hmm. okay. so much I can tell you, it was not real long. Say maybe six inches. It's
2: long and enough. It, yeah. That's
5: all I could see of it as it went around that tree. And I immediately said, you know, uh, I got to see more of this. <laughs> well, whatever this thing is, and um, I got around. Here's the weird part: I got and I kept looking. I said, if it's going to run, I can see where it goes through the, you know, through the trees. And it was not real thick brush. It was uh, sa- a lot of saplings and big trees in this forest kind of a thing. And there was near some swampland too, by the way. And that's always been a hot spot for kind of bigfoot sightings in the south. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I went and immediately went around that tree. Nothing there. It was just gone. It was almost just it, it poof. It disappeared. Mm-hmm. I looked up in the tree. I said, "Did he go up the tree?" Mm-hmm. Because there was no way humanly, I say humanly possible, that anything could have went down through that forest in front of me without me seeing it. Mm-hmm. Cause there were too many shappings, too many trees, you know, it was, it was no where or go, And, uh, that's what to this day, still bottles my mind a little bit. Where the heck did that thing go? Did it mm-hmm. step into a portal and disappear? Did it cloak itself as some of them claiming can do? Sure. Um, it was a very weird, very interesting experience though, mm-hmm. because that kind of made me want to find out more
1: definitely on Bigfoot. Right. So now, do you believe in the more metaphysical approach to Bigfoot than the actual physical approach?
5: Yeah, I I, kind of feel more like it may be both. You know, Mm -hmm. it may have attributes of both. I'm not going to say Bigfoot's supernatural, like I think the werewolf would be considered supernatural. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even Dog Man, which people say there's, uh, may have some supernatural aspects to it. But when it comes to Bigfoot, I don't know. You know, the, the, the jury's kind of still out on that. Mm. To me, uh, he has many physical aspects as if he were some unknown type of an animal. You know, that's what cryptozoology is really all about. Uh, I would not classify a werewolf as a cryptid. Because it's more or less a supernatural type, creature. it falls in the, the category of vampires and ghouls and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah I'd
2: agree Because that. it's
5: brought about by pure dark magic mm-hmm. in many
2: aspects, mm-hmm.
5: unless it's a curse kind of a thing. Um, that, to me, sets it apart from the actual cryptid. Because an cryptid is basically an unknown animal, an unrecorded animal, basically. Uh, and there have been many animals and there's some found every year that are unknown, you know, uh But to me, I don't know he may if uh, here's this here's my my slant on foot. He is a darn good survivalist. Okay, if he can survive out there like that and and he's smart He's not stupid and I tell a lot of people that go so-called foot hunters They go out there thrashing around in the wood hitting sticks on trees. I think that's not the way you look for something. Uh, you don't really, that's not a really smart way. I mean, you can go look for tracks and all. I found tracks at that place that were 18 inches long. Mm-hmm. 18 inch long footprints. Unfortunately, they weren't where I could pass them, unfortunately. They weren't hard ground and they weren't muddy ground or anything. I couldn't pass them. Right. Um, anyway, uh, if you're going to look for something, there's ain't right, a right, the wrong way to do it. It's one good, It's one thing to scout out a location and maybe find, look for hair or footprints or or tree structures, and all that's nothing wrong with that. I'm not getting down on that. But you don't go out actively walking through the woods looking for Bigfoot.
2: Right.
5: You're not going to probably find. Them. If you run into him, you're incredibly lucky that way. You know. And where I was that night, I was sitting there waiting to, you might say, ambush him. You know, uh I was kinda pushwacky that way. To find to see him, like you would deer deer hunt. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you seem familiar with deer hunting. I've done a lot of deer hunting in the past. You wait for the deer to come to you. Right, you, if you try to go find the deer, he's gonna hear, you, he's gonna smell you from 10 miles away. Mm-hmm. There's no way that, and, and I know Bigfoot without a doubt is incredibly intelligent, far more than a deer. Oh, yeah, would be in that state. Yeah.
1: Yeah, one would definitely think so, and I, and I agree with you. I mean, what's how are you gonna find something if you're chasing after it? It's just gonna, It's just gonna mm-hmm. run away from you exactly. anyway, yeah. exactly. Yeah if
5: he's that smart and that good at survival, he's not going to let you find it. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that easy. Uh, uh. So but I think, you know, most of, most of the, the uh, Bigfoot incidents and all that are more or less encounters. I call them encounters. You actually just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
5: usually, I don't think, unless you're, you're actively, at, actually actively out looking for Bigfoot, you're going to find him
1: most of the time you're not I right right definitely mm-hmm. yeah because i've never seen anybody i've never heard of anybody who's actively looking for bigfoot and who actually found it. bigfoot yeah. and usually it's uh-huh. usually it's totally accidental I usually bigfoot finds you
5: yeah, exactly yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. definitely yeah. so we're talking about cryptids ufos ghosts all this stuff uh-huh. um you feel there's a common denominator between all of them? Is that correct? Well, uh, the
4: uh, uh, i was going to talk about my UFO experience. I had um, no, uh, some to that,
5: UFOs, uh, that I had a uh, uh, an encounter, encounter with a UFO of my own. Uh, that's another interesting thing I had happen to me. I don't know. That's what I just want to tell some the other day. Uh, I know if you go looking for the paranormal, sometimes it will come looking for you or mm-hmm. will look back at you, and mm-hmm. that happens a lot. And I think that's probably why I've been, I've had so many different experiences uh, with these things. Uh, it's like almost as if they're picking on me. Let's go, let's go hit old Dennis again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and see if he'll, if he'll move there if we punch him. Uh, but uh, the, the UFO incident was another one of those times when I, my, my life kind of turned a corner. Because I hadn't investigated UFOs for many, many years. I have seen a lot of strange things in the sky mm-hmm. uh, that were unexplainable. I still like to do sky watches. I don't know if you've ever done one. It's very interesting. I love a sky watch, especially on a good night when it's starry and clear. Uh, you see some interesting things going on up there in the heavens. Uh, but my, my, my strangest experience with a UFO Happened about, let's see, I think it's been about six or seven years ago. Um, And here's, I'm going to tell you, this is related to the Bigfoot thing. Um, The same thing happened with the Bigfoot. It happened to me with the UFO, so that's why there's a connection. I'll explain that. I had been uptown. I live in a very small town. Yeah, I live in South Carolina. uh, Right on the border, almost on the border of South Carolina and Georgia and it's sort of a small kind of semi mid-tide town and uh i used to go walking uptown for my health i would walk about a 10 mile thing uptown so every couple of days i'd go up there and walk so i'd always park in a particular place and i would do a little route and come back well that day it was on a sunday afternoon as I remember. and there was a very very little traffic well that town closes you know, it's Sunday, <laughs> that's it, especially on Sunday. Um, so everything was very quiet. And I had been watching the sky all day because there were very low hanging clouds. And you know, oh, low hanging clouds will rain on you. And I said, well, that's usually a sign of imminent rain. I've been walking my route, and I had come back to where my truck was parked. And I was just cooling off. I was standing there on the sidewalk. And this sidewalk is was at the corner of a building. And it, uh, where I was standing, you could see there was no building in the way. You could see off to the horizon, you know, that way in front of me. And I was standing there on the sidewalk and uh, <laughs> just looking out. Oh, they not dream about seeing anything like this, you know. I mean, it was the thing from my mind. Mm-hmm. I was just cooling off, all, getting ready to get in the truck and a little bang off. And it was almost, I'm going to say not quite twilight. It was just hidden in the dark. I mean, like I say, it was a dark, cloudy day. It was, you know, it wasn't a very bright day. And I was just kind of looking back over the horizon, stretching a little bit, and I see something in the clouds. And it's kind of in and out, like, because the clouds are low, and it's something like, and I'm saying, what the heck is that, you know? And it, it was coming strictly towards me, you know? Now I don't know if you've ever noticed this with an airplane or anything, it comes straight at you, it looks like it hangs there for a little bit, you know, you know what I'm talking about, and, and it kind of was just slow like that, I kept saying, what is that, because it was strange, I could tell it was not an airplane,
2: mm-hmm. you
5: know, uh, it didn't look like that, because I've seen everything that flies, um, helicopters, the whole works, blimps, Goodyear blimp, the whole works, everything, gliders, everything that flies, including kites, uh, and drawn i know what they look like uh, i'm retired law enforcement so i' I'm, I'm you know i'm interested in kind of all that kind of stuff because we had to deal with especially helicopters a lot of times anyway i'm sitting there looking at them. what is that because it was in and out and it was dark it was black like, you know and uh, it was not shiny black. it was sort of just a dense black it was kind of it's kind of hard to describe but it was a strange looking kind of a metallic black. Like I said, it had no glint to it. It was just dark, you know. Anyway, as it was coming towards me, and finally got closer and closer, I could see on the bottom of it what looked like a ramp, but it was like, it was closed up. It wasn't a ramp, it was open, you know. It looked like a doorway of some sort or something. I said, well, what?" because it was still up in the clouds, but it was still moving, you know, uh, partially in the clouds. And as it got directly over me. I could see it was triangular-shaped. This was a huge black triangle aircraft of some sort. Uh, it was not, and I've seen I've seen the bombers, the secret bombers. Now, this was nothing like that. It wasn't a delta wing. This thing was triangular-shaped, completely triangular. And I could see on each end of it, and like I say, I couldn't get a real... Fantastic clear look at it. I don't of the clouds, but I can make out some of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I could see that at every corner of this triangle there was a round thing, but there were no lights on it at all. But I could see the what may have been lights, some kind of running lights or something. Well, I'm going to tell you this: this thing was huge. I mean, football field. Size huge, you could not have probably. If you set this thing down in the football field, you wouldn't have had room to walk around it. Okay, but that way. And I've run a lot of football fields, I know how big they are. Anyway, this thing was huge and completely eerily silent, it made no sound whatsoever. And everything I've ever heard fly made a sound.
2: Mm-hmm. I've
5: never yeah. seen anything that didn't make a noise, even even gliders make a noise. This thing was absolutely, and and, and it was almost and here's what I can say about this experience. For just that brief moment it was almost as if time and space itself stopped. Everything was definitely quiet, everything it was an eerie feeling, as if I had stepped out of something from one place to another or something. That I was out of place and out of time kind of thing. I know it's kinda of hard to explain. And this thing had a purplish glow, the whole craft. It was a very, very faint for the bush of okay. and this thing was moving out, and when it got, you know, because it was kind of the way it was coming at me, it looked slow, but it wasn't, because as soon as it got over me, and I could say it was close enough to me to hit it with a rock, okay, that's how close above me this thing was, uh, it, was it was just gone that fast over my head, I turned <laughs> around and watched it. And there I was with a phone in my pocket. Never thought once to take it out. <laughs> it was so—I was so astounded. It was so quick. You don't—you know—something that unexpected. You can't—you can't
1: plan for it. Right, you know? and you're not thinking. I better take that's my phone out a, and take a look at it. That's yeah. paranormal, uh, you know. You mm-hmm. Can't plan for it. <laughs>
5: This is true. If you think about grabbing your phone, you know it's going to disappear <laughs> before you can get your phone out and queue it up. Yes. Yeah, that's what I told somebody I my would be a rich guy, okay? Well, don't work that way.
1: No, <laughs> afraid not. So,
5: okay. But I will always say that's the one. That's the motto of the paranormal. Whatever field, whatever interest you are, always expect the unexpected because that's what you're going to get.
1: Mm-hmm. So does that sound like your it UFO, is- dear?
5: My UFO.
1: Yeah, I remember your UFO encounter, the triangle. Oh, the triangle UFO? thing. Yeah. there were
0: pink lights in a triangular formation, middle of the night. I mean, it was early still. It was on Hazel, and it was just bizarre.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. Okay. I couldn't hear like noises or anything, and and I was watching it. It was moving. It go behind a tree, and then it'd be above the tree or next to the tree, and then you couldn't see anything because you were driving.
1: That's right. <laughs>
5: Okay, yeah, I was going to talk about uh, the experience that I had with the UFO. Which was just the beginning, mm-hmm. unfortunately, of that that strange day. Uh, it, uh, I was so dumbfounded by this, and like I said, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, "What what just you saw? Was it ours? You know, was it something our military has? Or it was very militaristic looking to me." But if our military had something like that, we could take over the world tomorrow. It would be no problem. Uh, this thing was, I think, far surpassing anything we had in the way of technology because of the way it moves so fast uh, and its attributes, and so silent and so large. That's what uh, you know astounded me about it. it. Is something that, like the likes, I've never seen since. I even have a collaboration. I had a woman that actually saw it that day too. Uh, she was in a different part of the county, but she saw it about probably not long after I saw it mm-hmm. go overhead. But she didn't. She was one of those kind of people that when they see something, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to do it. So she unfortunately wouldn't let me have that collaboration I wanted on it. But I still, I was glad I found somebody that saw something. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides just me Uh, you know uh, I've always said about the paranormal when you see something it's just your word for it but when you have two people see the same thing that's corroboration and that's a good thing to always have Mm -hmm. yeah definitely Uh, that's why I've always said if you're going to hunt Bigfoot or ghost or whatever always take somebody with you because that way it won't be just your word for people to take if you have another eyewitness with you it's a whole lot better And anyway I began to uh, uh, research that and and found out that this thing had been sighted all over the world, this thing type of a craft by many people in Germany, France, all in different parts of the world, and that intrigued me even more. But it was what happened afterwards that day that really became a very strange event for me. Uh, You ever seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely.
5: I began to live that movie. Okay. Seriously, in many ways, uh, I began to have black unmarked SUVs follow me.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: My mail was tampered with. I had strange, some of the weirdest phone calls you could ever imagine, and they had like robotic voices attached to them. Uh, the list goes on and on. I could tell there was not. There was one night when somebody knew somebody got in my yard, and this is connected to the Bigfoot side. By the way, I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but I'm. <laughs> These, these cars would f- pass my house, and I have a camera system. These cars would pass my house, and I could tell they were government vehicles because they had government drags on them. Um, but they weren't marked. They didn't have any other markings besides that. But there were black vans, black SUVs. Uh, and I would come out of a store miles away, and there would be one sitting out in the parking lot. And you know? so it was it was not just coincidence, you know, and I said, I've said, I've made the statement before, after having been so long, the paranormal, I don't really believe in coincidences anymore. Uh, some things are too flaky that way. But anyway, uh, strange things like that began to happen. Uh, and like I say, I, I began to feel like my phone was tapped, I could be talking to somebody hang up and I could hear a noise, you know. So I began to kinda of get a little paranoid. Who <laughs> wouldn't, you know, I kept looking back over my shoulder when they're gonna pop up next. Yeah. And um, I even this UFO sighting, I, I actually turned uh, this was back in the old days before <laughs> well we had cell phones but you know they weren't as good as they are today. Our mm-hmm. communication wasn't as good then. But I actually sent a report of this to MUFON. What I had saw and several years after that, I never heard back from them. They never contacted me or anything. I said, what the heck, you know, what's going on with that? And several years ago, I, I contacted one of them about that. I said, is that on file or something? You know, did you file it? He said, we never got it.
2: So you can- And I actually
5: oh. did send that to them. They never got my communication at all. So, it was almost as if it was intercepted right, right. by somebody. Yeah. So, um, when I, this, uh, Bigfoot <laughs> I was telling you about earlier, well, actually, when I saw Bigfoot that day, and we were out in that field for about a week, off and on for about a week, looking around this area. We had drones come over. We had black unmarked helicopters. I saw black SUVs, government type SUVs with ta- government tags on them, near a bridge nearby there. And I, and, one of the people walked down there and said, "What are y'all guys doing?" Said, oh, we're down here checking this bridge out. As far as I know, the U.S. government don't go around doing that with small little country bridges. Uh, as far as I know, mm-hmm. it was kind of very strange. Um, and then to top it all off, I did try to make a cast of one of the footprints. It didn't come out right because, like I say, it was a very, it was, you know, very. It was almost as if Bigfoot took picked the perfect place not to leave a foot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I tried to catch this, and I left the cash in the back of my truck. Well, um, uh, uh, about a couple of nights later, I was sitting in the house, and I have a I have a dog, and he has a certain kind of bark when there's somebody around. He's a very sensitive dog. He's not he's not a real he's not a barker. He just doesn't bark for any reason. Right. When he barks, I know something's going on. You know. So I got up, and and the bark he was exhibiting was like there was somebody out in my yard somebody moving around the house or something. And I could tell this by the way he was acting, you know, I didn't let him out though because I "There's just out there. I don't want him, you know, jumping on him because he's not that big of a dog. He's a Cocker Spaniel. He thinks he's a mastiff. But uh, anyway, um, I don't let him around mirrors so I could help it. But, um, I went out there and one of the gates, had uh, several gates on my property, and one of the gates that I always closed was open. I said, Oh God, I better check. The back of my truck make sure that that cash is still there you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so luckily it was still there and i brought it in the house but i could tell someone had actually been sneaking around the yard there now, whether that was connected with the government or not i can't really swear on like a bible show you on that but it was very peculiar and I had a lot of stuff like that. They went on for several months and finally it petered out. But when I began to write my last book, which is called The Road Unseen, A, a, a Paranormal Journey into High Strangeness. When I began to write that book, they showed up again. It was almost as if they knew. And, I, and this had never went to the publishers, nothing like that. Uh, I had told a few friends about the book, of course, I was writing. And I think I might have mentioned it on the Internet. I'm not sure. I can't can't really remember, but it was very strange that the government cars started circling my house again. After that, as a matter of fact, I put that in the book. Oh, they're back again. As okay. I finish this book, you know, and uh, so I think they were their, their message was like, "Hey, we know who you are, and we know where you're at." <laughs> you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not much more than that. They're not telling you to stop or anything like that. Just we know who you are. We know where Physically you're at.
0: Basically,
5: freaking
1: you out because they're there. Just trying to. Yeah. trying to put a little scare into you basically
5: yep. but uh, like I said it was like living the Mothman prophecies all the yep. I could kind of feel I could kind of understand what John Keel felt like when he was uh, doing that uh, it does make you a little paranoid you know
1: well just because yeah. you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you I <laughs> huh? said so just because you're paranoid yep. doesn't mean they're not out to get you you know oh, Yeah. yeah
5: <laughs> I was at one point I was thinking about checking my outside outlets to make sure there wasn't taps on them or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never do.
2: That's true.
5: Uh, I'm going to tell you what, the things that I've learned in my research over the years, like I say, I've been in this 55 plus years now. Uh, I started when I was just a baby, by the way, what so I tell people. Anyway, uh, in my research, I keep running into that government store, you know, mm-hmm. that doorway that leads to these governments. I don't want to be a conspiracy nut, but it does make you wonder, you know, where there's smoke, is there some fire going there? Uh, because I see a lot of smoke, and it's connected to a lot of government things. Um, it keeps cropping up in my research, time after time after time. Uh, I have to wonder just how much are the governments, not just our government, but the governments of the world involved mm-hmm. in these things, especially in the UFO thing. Alien things. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me, "Do I believe that we that our governments may have some kind of ongoing secret treaty with aliens, or or whatever you know may be going on?" It makes you wonder. Right. Definitely.
1: Uh, Now, um, speaking of other governments and other nations, um, you you don't you don't just focus on the U.S. You're worldwide. Um. Have you had an investigation or encounter in another country that was just something totally different from what you'd see here in the U.S., maybe? Yeah,
5: uh, it depends on what country. I think you take it slightly different way, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's almost as if the governments of the world, especially the governments of the world, they're like, they're winking an eye on each other, you know. We know this,
2: mm-hmm.
5: you know, you know it. Well, let's keep it from everybody else kind of thing you know okay. uh i have to kind of see i got that feeling that and why and, and not just our country again most of the countries in the world have secret underground military bases we know they exist mm-hmm. what for you know it's not just you know every every country has its own area 51 kind of thing going on i don't know if you're familiar with this but there's a did you know it, there's an oceanic Area 51 off of, off of the Bahamas.
1: Well, I've because, heard, I've heard oh, stories, yeah. but yeah, never <laughs> actually seen any, any documentation on it.
5: Yeah, and you can't even get close to it with a boat. I mean, you know, they'll come up and stop you just like the Area 51 in Nevada, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so what's going on with this? You know, why so secretive? I know you, as a government, you have to guard your secrets, I understand that, but um uh to be that secretive makes you wonder what they are guarding mm-hmm. you know they're so highly you know regarded that way
4: right definitely.
2: to me
5: that's interesting there's something going on there and uh, i hear so many different rumors of course like i say someone that knows about folklore you also got to remember and this is what i tell people a lot i've mentored a lot of people over the years a lot of different groups and other things you got to look at the the paranormal it's like an onion you got to peel away the layers of legend and myth and, and, and beliefs and all that to get to the core, which is where the truth is,
2: mm-hmm.
5: the real truth of the matter. Uh, as I say in my book, these things uh, wear a mask, but it's behind the mask is what I'm chiefly interested in. What is it that is wearing this mask? Uh, it, it's hiding its true intentions from us in many different ways. It is very disturbing to know that there is a force in this world that, uh, is working. Uh, and most of the time when you work in secret, it's usually in something that's not very good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
2: to me, definitely,
5: it's, secret, it's kind of underhanded and shady. <laughs> if you look at it, they're, like, it's, they're up to no good. Mm-hmm. And, uh here's what I tell people this, and I don't mean, to, I'm not trying to be a drama mama here, okay, uh, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I believe this wholeheartedly, your need to know has become paramount to your very survival, and that is not very true, I think.
1: Okay, yeah, I can't argue with that. um. Let's let's dial back a second. You mentioned that you were in law enforcement for a while. Um, what what branch were you were you part of?
5: I was in. Uh, I mainly i was uh, i was in this town where I'm at now. That's where I was at. I was uh, I've been I was in law enforcement for about over five years before I had to retire. I was in another job before then, so mm-hmm. I was, that was my only job. Uh, actually, I worked at the local hospital for thirty years. Uh, I just spent some time in the morgue too. By the way. Uh, I can tell you some stories on that sometime.
1: But anyway, actually, uh, that's kind of what I was leading uh, into here. I've been, I've been wanting to talk to profession to professionals who are in law enforcement, care providers, hospitals, things like that, to see uh-huh. if there were any stories that they might be able to tell us of a paranormal nature.
5: Oh, with the uh, with the law enforcement, yes, yeah, I had some very interesting, several interesting experiences while I was in the law enforcement thing. Um, um. I think one of the most interesting ones was we were called to an abandoned mill one time uh, this was a, an old cotton mill uh it was, it was not about, probably about a mile from where i'm at right now what's left of it it burned down sometime after this years later and anyway we were called to this mill by the night watchman that it was an abandoned mill at that time and he had said that there was some kind of activity going on in the, the sub sub basement it was like two basements under the basement and there was a room down there and um, and you know i'm I know my way around the occult pretty good and when i went in this room and i've been in there's some spots i've been in before in my life where you could actually feel evil It's almost a force i mean it's like the fog you could almost cut it with your hand That's thick kind of an evil mm-hmm. And I walked into this room, and it was very musty, it was a big room, and uh, on the floor of this room was a pentagram. It had been drawn with some type of a sand-like substance, Um, and it was a blood circle. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a blood circle, but a blood circle is sort of a magical circle, mainly made usually with human blood as part of an ingredient. And the, the, the whole thing, the whole pentagram was a blood circle. It was made that way. I could tell that immediately. Um, now, I don't know if you're familiar with what goes inside of the, the, the different points of the, of the pentagram star, but they are what are called signals or uh, they're symbols. Okay. And usually they're satanic symbols. And I could tell whoever did this immediately. That's what got me. Well, it's not an amateur. This wasn't some bunch of little kids playing. God, kids laying around. But uh, whoever did this knew his stuff. I can mm-hmm. tell that immediately. But something bad had happened in this room. Yeah. There was blood on the walls, and it wasn't. It wasn't just you know. It's like smeared blood. It wasn't like thrown on there. It wasn't like trying to decorate the place to make it look scary. Right. It was like someone that actually had blood on their hands or something and went up against this wall. I could tell there was some violence like Put it that way. But here's the bad thing, the, the star, the circle was broken. Now, when that happens, you're in these kind of rituals. I've seen voodoo rituals. I've seen black masses. I've seen them all. The real thing, not the fake stuff, the real stuff. If you ever break that circle, See, the circle is your protection. A lot of people think you raise the demon in there. No, you don't raise him up in there. He's on the outside. When you call him forth from the darkness, you have to stay in that circle to be protected. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if something happens, it can get to you. Well, something evidently went wrong with whoever was doing it because this circle was broken. And I could see the blood and all that. I said, uh oh, you know, this is bad, bad news, you know. But I told the other guy I was with. I said, "Come on, there's nothing here. Let's get out of here." I just wanted to leave it because it felt so bad. And right. then, you know, you, you, I'm gonna tell you something. When you run up against darkness and evil like that, it touches you spiritually and in a bad way too, not in a good way. It's sort of uh, it hurts you, but not mm-hmm. physically. That's kind of hard to explain. But anyway, as we left, and like I say, it might have been three or four months later, that whole place burned down. and I find this very interesting that places of evil like that usually end up getting destroyed, burned or something happens to them. And when that happens, that tells me that something very bad had stained that land. But let me say this, when you do the incantations, when you do that kind of job to bring, to call forth these demonic forces, you're opening a doorway. You're opening a spiritual doorway. <laughs> and I think what I felt there that night, and I felt it in other places before. I felt this once in a graveyard. That doorway was still open. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been shut. Right. You know, And it's very well known, especially in the magic, mag, dark magic, that when you open doorways, you're supposed to close them. That's what you do when you play around foolishly, play around with a Ouija board. And you wouldn't believe how many cases I've had with Ouija boards. It's unbelievable. I think they should be banned, actually, because it's something you shouldn't play with. Anyway, and to market hey, them please. as a toy, to market them as a toy is a bad bad idea, too. And anyway, I believe the doorway was still open there, because you open these doorways and don't shut them, uh, that, that influence still remains, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 darkness is still there. And I think that sometimes nine out of 10 of these places that, that these happen in, and I've been in rooms that were completely, painted completely black. Um, uh, this woman called me to her house one time and says, I just bought this house and I, they told me to call you. Tell me why this room is painted black. The windows were black. The ceilings were black. The doors were black. Everything was black in this room. It even had a black carpet. And something told me I said, "Pull that black carpet up and let's see what we find out." Well, she brought a guy in there and pulled a black carpet up, and there was the pentagram underneath there. Mm-hmm. I said, "Paint it. Paint over. Paint over this whole room." And 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 then how this house blessed because there's something bad went on here, and I don't trust it. Usually if something bad goes wrong like what happened in that room i mentioned before you're not alive to shut that door usually mm-hmm. you know what i mean you know to shut that door and that's probably what happened there in that place um and, and nine times out of ten when you run into places like that they usually end up getting destroyed why i don't know i think alistair crowley's house on the banks of loch ness burned down uh it makes you wonder if maybe they're just that place is so evil, that you can't really remain there anymore. Um, I've often wondered about that. Yeah. It's my hypothesis of mine, but that's the way
4: Well, that, that, place. So that was
5: one thing I had happen. I've had to actually uh, a lot of strange things happen. Like we would have this woman call us every Saturday night and to come get the aliens out of her attic in her house. Uh, and I think the poor woman just wanted some company, but uh, we would have to go in the house, and I would go up and shoot the aliens. I get out of here and go on, you know. And she was happy for the rest of the night till next week, anyway.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a man getting his children's monsters out from under the bed.
5: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's but, funny. Uh, law enforcement opened my eyes to a lot of things too. Uh, uh, that was going on. Uh, I think. A lot of these things i'll tell you this okay and i warn people about this when it comes to alcohol drugs and of course alcohol is nothing but a liquid drug um when you get into drugs and start using drugs especially uh yeah and not a bad way you know in a bad way that you use them you know
2: mm-hmm.
5: uh you kind of open yourself up to some of these forces, okay? It's, it, uh, and I think they're very well connected. I've seen some very strange things in law enforcement. I think drugs are directly connected with the demonic in many <laughs> aspects. Um, people use these drugs; they open themselves up spiritually. There's, there's I can say, on Star Trek, the shields are down. You know, they've opened mm-hmm. themselves up. And uh, when you do that, what do you expect? You're going to have a bad experience. <laughs> when you output negativity. You gonna usually only get negativity back. That's just the yep. way life works. If you put out, if you put forth positive things, most of the time you get some positive back out of that. But when you do negative stuff, you're going to expect there's going to be a negative downside to it. And um, the demonic that, I have, that I've run into. Believe me, I have seen demons face to face. They are real. They're not fake. They're not fairy tales. They are real just as you and I are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been attacked by them. Um, they are real. They are very detrimental to you if you're not careful. You don't know what you're dealing with. Um, nine times out of ten, and I tell this to people, maybe they say, oh, I don't believe you, but it's true. Most of the time, what you run into as a spirit is not a human spirit. I think that's rather rare. I'm not going to say real, real rare, rare, but it's a lot rarer than Hollywood would have you think it is. Uh, most of the time, what you run into is demonic, unfortunately, pretending to be human spirits sometimes. That's where they get you. Uh, they, they, they seek to make to have a rapport with you. They seek to make a connection and get into your life that way and make that uh, connection stronger so they can eventually possess you. And destroy you, basically. You know, I've had people. I had a woman call me one time. Oh, I've got a demon in my house. Can I learn to live with it? I said, I doubt that very much.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. You
5: know, eventually it will get you. <laughs> you know, oh, that's yeah. the way it goes. Uh, you know, a shark is a shark. He's gonna eat you. A demon's a demon. He's gonna destroy you. That's his job. That's what he does. There yeah. are no good demons
2: yeah. out
1: there. Trust just, me, just in their nature. All bad guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're there to corrupt.
1: Definitely.
2: Uh-huh. The
5: processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. All right. Okay, I was, uh, um, I was a mission, the uh, AI thing, you know, and it's not good. Uh, it's not good to me. You start putting microchips in people's brains. Uh, it's almost like a man-made type of form of possession. Uh, you have to wonder about what's going on with that, you know. And um, possession, when it comes to demonic possession, it's just what I've often said it's sort of like a country being invaded by another country. They come in and take over it because this force comes in, takes you by force. You're still in there with them in a way, but you just don't have any more control. You're not behind the wheel of your car anymore. Uh, somebody else is. Uh, that would be a bad, bad state to be in. Uh, very dangerous state, and I can say this without a doubt as we hear tonight. I know of some in many cases where there are people six foot under put there by these forces tonight, they are six foot under, and these things can be very detrimental and very dangerous. Um, when I do used to do a lot of spiritual investigation on ghost hunting, as people call it, I don't like the term ghost hunter myself, but it's okay, I guess. But, um, when I used to do that, I would poke these things. I didn't, I wasn't there to, you know, ask Uncle Joe what next week's lottery number is going to be, although I should have done that a couple of times. But anyway, um, uh, I wasn't there to do that. I was there to kind of poke these things to see what we were dealing with and then how to take care of it, whatever the case may. Cause so nine times out of 10, a lot of these groups go in to, just to get their jollies out of that. You know, I got scared, it was fun. Well, we had fun. I, that's not what it's about to me. I went in to help people, people come to me and ask for help, and I wanted to be able to offer them some type of help for their problems, a solution for their whatever their problem might be. So I think it's kind of bad just to leave somebody without any help, since they, they, mm-hmm. they definitely don't know what they're facing, you know. So that's what I wanted to do, I wanted to, to be able to offer them a solution. And I've often said, if I can't figure it out, we'll try to find it out together. But we, you know, you got somebody to try to help you understand what's going on. But I have done thousands of house cleansings, or location exorcisms, as some people call them. Although I've never been an exorcist myself. I, I have uh, never really been led going into exorcisms and doing that that way. Well. But I have done what I call the location exorcisms. And many times during these things, I've been attacked uh, by these forces that are there, I've been scratched, I've been pushed, I've been, uh, one time, one thing, almost pushed me down a flight of stairs, which would have broke my neck definitely, if I went down, uh, these things can be very detrimental, and you have to be very careful how you handle this darkness, um, to me, uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, you've got to address it very carefully. But uh, I remember one time that uh, one of the very violent attacks that I was under by one of these horses was actually in a, a, a doctor's office of all places, uh, and it wasn't the waiting room, and it wasn't you know where you're examined. This was the private office of a doctor, and it was in a um, was in a um, a, uh, a clinic, and the nurses had been complaining. The nurses they worked out being pinched and seeing shadow figures, uh, things being moved, doors opening, but nothing was there. So they had called that group I had at that time in on an investigation in this place. And all night long, here's the interesting thing: all night long, nothing happened. It was just there's a the door now, no, no EVPs, no anything, and um. There was, a, there was an upstairs in this clinic, but there was no basement. So finally one of the people come to me and said, Hey, Dennis, uh, we really looked out on this one. You know? There's nothing here. I said, Oh, wait a minute. I said, the paranormal, nine times out of ten, when you confront find it, will hide from you. Mm-hmm. It'll either go up or it'll go down. It'll go either way away from you. If there's no basement, it'll go to the attic or upstairs. So I said, let's investigate upstairs now. There's just nothing down here. We went through all the examining rooms down there and all that. And that's where the doctor's offices were. Now, here's the interesting thing. One of the nurses told me that his doctor had been complaining about things going right bad and going on in his office. And at home, he had been complaining about something. He had been going through some bad things and all that. Don't forget that because it's very important. I'll get back to that in a minute. Anyway, I went with a guy upstairs, and we went to this doctor's office. I sat down in a chair in front of the front of the desk, and my friend he sat in the chair behind the desk, the doctor's desk chair. And we were sitting there, and there was we were in darkness, but it had a lot of ambulance light. There were probably some street lights outside. It was very well lit up. It wasn't dark, dark, you know. And I was sitting there, and I noticed the room began to get kind of cool. And this was not in the summertime. Uh, you know, it was maybe the fall, so they didn't have an air conditioning on much much. It wasn't an air conditioning. I found that out later. I immediately, first thing I check, I always check the practical side of these mm-hmm. things make mm-hmm. sure nothing mm-hmm. else is going on. You know, you got to do that. But anyway, the room began to get. I'm not saying drastically, see your breath cold, you know, but it began to get a little chilly like, and that's when time immediately kicked in. Oh, something's going to happen here. Something's about to happen.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: So I just said to the guy, I didn't tell him anything. I don't tell people when I investigate with them, look for this, look for that, because I don't want to plant that seed in their mind, you know. I want them to be unbiased about it as possible. So I just looked at him and I said, I've got a strange feeling, okay. That's all I told him. And about that time, I look over in the corner of my maybe five foot away from me, maybe six foot, this dark shadow begins to appear. And, you know, there's a shadow already there, but it began to get darker and darker and darker. As I sat down watching, he was watching it too. I didn't say anything to him. He said, do you see something over in that corner? He said to me, I said, yeah, be quiet and watch. And, that, and I began to watch the shadow, and it was probably expanding up to the ceiling, which was probably about eight foot. It's probably eight foot high, and it began to get wider. The shadow began to get, I guess it was probably at its most five foot wide, probably. And it was light. And here's the, here's the, the interesting thing, and I sat down and watched it. It began to almost like it was pulling a darkness into it. It was like it was pulling something. And you know these things will. I've had them drain batteries. I've had them do a lot of things like that. They're they're living off of some kind of, not only physical, I call physical energy, but probably spiritual energy as well. Well, as I'm watching this thing, the guy suddenly says to me, and I saw it. I didn't say anything. I saw it. I saw these two red eyes looking at me. Shut up. And I mean, they were red. Now, I'm not flashlight glowing red, but they were red. And I could see them, two pinpoints of red light staring right back at me. And the guy next to me, and he was probably maybe about two foot further away from me than I was. There. He said, do you <laughs> see some eyes? I said, yeah, I see them. And about the time I spoke, it was almost as if the thing, and he didn't have a head, okay, <laughs> but it was almost like it turned his head and looked at him. When he said that. It's like he got his attention. Uh-huh. And he he said, I'm beginning to really feel bad here. He said, I'm getting sick. So I'm kinda of getting kinda of sick. He said, I'm feeling depressed. He said, I feel like the feeling is fell in on me. I knew then what he was doing. It was attacking him emotionally.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And what it was doing to me began to attack me physically. My leg began to get not cold, like a coldness and a numbness started up my leg and it started going further up, up to my stomach, up to my chest. And it began to get, kind of get hard for me to breathe. And I knew I was under attack.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And, um, and I'm going to tell you this. I'll stop here and explain this to you. And every demonologist knows this very well. The demonic can attack you in four ways. They can attack you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Well, I was being attacked physically. He was being attacked emotionally. It took him, after this incident, about three weeks to get over this.
4: Because
5: hmm. they really lowered a boom on him that way. So I was over it that night on the physical part of it. But here's what happened, and I never had, had this happen before. But I just said this in my mind to this thing. I even tried to record it with a camera that I had with me, but it, it wouldn't record. The camera could not see what my eye was seeing. I know it's hard to explain, but that it was almost as if physically I could see it in its spiritual form, but the camera couldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. That
5: way. Okay.
1: I that's, kind of like- that's kind of implying yeah, that it doesn't yeah. have a physical form. Your, your mind is, you might be seeing in my that image mind. projected from but your here's, mind. Here's,
5: here's the interesting thing. I said this, and i know never had this, I've rebuked these things before. but have never done this way before. In my mind, I never spoke it, okay? But in my mind, a certain passage of greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And as soon as I said that, that thing began falling off of me. My leg, the numbness went away, I began to breathe okay. A friend I felt him audibly relax this thing slowly was gone was like that that quick
2: mm-hmm.
5: eyes and everything was gone that quick I never had that happen before but I've always had to speak it and that mm-hmm. was very strange it almost as if it was either an act of faith or it was almost as if it read my subconscious or something
2: mm-hmm.
5: uh, there was that that put the output there of something right because it affected it more than me, you know what I'm saying. That but anyway, that was a very interesting part. I come away with every time you run into something like that, you come away with something different, mm-hmm. something new, some different perspective and outlook on it. But that was a very violent attack in that way. And like I say, it took him about three weeks to get over it. And here's the interesting part after that night, he never actually ever really wanted to go investigating again. That's but I warned things. people. I wouldn't either. I I, I warn people. I warn people that's what you're going to run into. You've got that chance of running into something like that. Here's what I tell them, okay? Demons are real. I know that without a doubt. Demons are real, and you've got to play the demon card. It's always on the table because that's just the way they are. They can try to fake and... Human spirits—they can try to fool you. They can try to do all kind of, all their little tricks. They're tricksters too, you know—the mm-hmm. trickster dot spirits people talk about. That's what they are. They trick you. Uh, they try to lead you down the wrong road so they can confuse you. Uh, I was on the show, a uh, TV show. That i do not know if you're familiar with it. They used to call Ghost Asylum. You Ever heard of it?
1: Sounds familiar I'm familiar. I never, yet? I never seen it, no, but I am familiar with the title. Yeah. But it sounds
5: well, it used to be on, uh, I think, Discovery Channel. Anyway, they called me in on one of their cases. And here's the interesting thing. They went to an old uh, mental hospital up in uh, North Carolina. And it was old Cannon Memorial Hospital. And um, they had investigated. It was closed. It was shuttered up and closed. But they had investigated. And one of the boys, the young boys, I think it was, a, there was a group of five, I believe, altogether. If I'm not mistaken. And this one boy, he was the youngest of them had been attacked by something in this hospital and he actually went out in the, the parking lot this is on uh, i think you can still find this on youtube i think the show is still available on youtube i don't think it's uh it's uh this council now but mm-hmm. it's a very interesting show because they only did mental hospitals and places like that where these things would show up but anyway he got attacked and the spirit of anger took him over like and his boy was young, nice, kind boy. He never raised his voice. He was out in the parking lot beating up signs and cussing and doing all this stuff. Very unlike himself, you know. And uh, I knew ima- immediately when I heard that, that that's probably what happened. He ran into some type of a spirit of anger. Uh, well, they were investigating this, this uh, case as it being an Indian, uh, you know, a Native American princess that was haunting this place because mm-hmm. there was a legend nearby. And I said, "No, no, no, no. Demonic is drawn like a magnet to places of trauma, pain, and suffering, like battlefields and hospitals. I worked at a hospital for thirty years. One of the most haunted places you'll ever go to, man. Mm-hmm. I have some very interesting experiences in that hospital." Anyway, hospitals, mental wards, places like that where there's pain, trauma, and and mental instability and all that going on. That's where these things go. And that's why I tell people nine times out of ten, the spirits you run into into a graveyard are not usually human spirits. They don't usually hang around their dead bodies. Okay? But the demonic does. The demonic is attracted to places of death and pain and suffering. Like mortuaries, funeral home places like that. These will be some, among some of the most haunted places in the world. But anyway, I went there and told them. I said, "No, this is a this is a demon you've run up against, you know." And I talked to the boy, the the boy, and he was real nice. And I said, "Look, you got they were going to go back in this hospital. That's when I was there. They were going back for more too. <laughs> I think there's this is their highest rated show, too. By the way." So it was very interesting. everybody just wanted to see what would happen as they went back in. Um, so I told the boy, I said, Look, you got to put on your armor of life, your faith to go back in this place. You've got to face it with your personal faith because that thing is waiting for you to come back. You're going to have to go back stronger so it can attack you. Mm-hmm. And I told the other boys, I said, no, y'all, you, you all are going to have to be ready and prepared to go back <laughs> in. I said, my my advice is for you to pray on every floor of this and protect yourselves, you know, spiritually before you go back in. And I said, oh, no, we're macho, guys. We're not worried about it. We'll be okay. We're gonna we get those demons, but we're going back in there, you know. Yeah. I said, okay. Um, and, and during the investigation. Every single one of them got attacked demonically that night. One of them said, I got to get out of here. I can't even think straight anymore. He had to leave completely. Every one of them got attacked. except said that young boy, he had on his armor of light. He come okay. out of there, okay, he didn't touch you,
4: mm-hmm.
5: But he took the lesson. They asked him at the end of the show, how come you didn't doing anything? Well, I had on my armor of light. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. When you go up against the darkness, you better have a light on your side. Right. You better have that positive outlook. You better have that positivity in you when you go up against the negative because it'll roll over you like a steamroller if you're not careful, mm-hmm. if you're not ready for it, if you're not prepared.
1: Which is pretty much what happened to the other guys from the sound of it. Yep.
5: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So. But I've, I, I, you know, if you issue a challenge to these things, Better watch out,
1: because they might take you <laughs> okay, yeah, You can get so. in a very bad situation. Definitely so. Well, at this point, I'd like to turn uh, the conversation over to the girls here. They've been pretty quiet all this time. Um, it's
0: because we're trying to breathe.
1: I understand that. We're all trying to breathe. <laughs> Everybody's recovered from one cold or another. But, um, Adri, Tracy, you guys got anything you'd like to talk to us about <laughs> or a question you want to ask?
0: I do. Okay.
1: Well, I, I was... Hold on, Tracy. Adri's got one she okay, wants well, to ask.
0: Okay, well, we had had a roommate a long time ago who had a problem with a Ouija board, so I'm all on board with that. Do you have any stories about Ouija boards that you'd like to share? (laughs) That was my question. Oh, yeah, I have an interesting
5: one about the Ouija board. I had a young lady call me, and uh, she was very disturbed. She was very upset. And she said, uh, uh, my friends brought a Ouija board over the other night, and we all got to playing around with it. And uh, they, they, you know, they, uh, they left the board here, you know, they gave me the board and left and whatever and all I they said, I can play with it, whatever,
2: they didn't want to fool it anymore.
5: But she said ever since they've gone, some weird things have been happening in my house. Uh, things have been falling over, they shouldn't have fallen over. Doors have been open and, and, and cold spots. And she said, I, I think I even saw a dark shadow last night uh, in my amendment. I said, well, oh, that's not good, especially since you probably, you know, opened the doorway with that Ouija board. So I told her what to do. You know, I said, you need to say, I revoke all invitations. I close the door. You know, I, I, I push you out of here. You have no room here. I don't want you here. I have authority here. You do not, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
5: kind of a thing. Which is what you tell these things. You You exert authority over them. They even recognize authority. But you gotta like have a little faith to use that authority. But anyway, I said, You do this, I said, then you take the board. She said, Do I burn it? I said, No, 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 you don't burn it. Don't break it. Take it somewhere you're never sure. gonna go back to and bury that thing. Bury it, salt it. Sea salt's what I always use, mm-hmm. salt of the
2: earth.
5: Mm-hmm. I said, Salt it, say a prayer over it, bury it. Don't don't go back ever again. Where's that? And I said, and if something calls your name while you're walking off, don't look back. Don't go back. Don't look back or nothing. And she said, oh, I'll do it. She said, I'm scared. And I said, well I, told, well, I told her what to do. You know, had to cleanse the house, put a little sea salt in every corner, say some prayers, whatever faith you believe, you know, whatever goodness is in you, exert it there. And do what you need to do and then get rid of, you know, get rid of that board. And don't ever go back to where it's at. So that, that was the end of that. I felt good about the whole session, but about a week later, she called me back and she said, uh, Mr. Carroll, I did everything you told me to do and I did that with the board and all, but what do you do if the board comes back?
0: That's what happened with my roommate.
5: <laughs> I said, whoa, oh, wait What well, do you mean the board's come back? Yeah. And she said, yeah, it's, it was laying on my front door the other day. But she said, I think some of my friends, I told them what I was going to do I think they did it. I said, well, look, you go do the whole thing over again, and don't tell your friends with you? I said, by the way, get you some more friends, okay? Get some more friends. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think these people are your friends. You do you that it's way. So I much. said, you do the whole thing over, and I think you'll be all right. So I never heard from her again, so I figured maybe it worked out.
4: Yeah,
5: okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no but that's kind of creepy to think a board comes back that's uh, kind of like that what was that movie Witch Board yeah,
1: yeah I remember Witch Board yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just the thing Adrian yeah. was saying that uh, our, our roommate, roommate had just that sort of thing she happened. had a
5: Ouija
0: board and, her, and they were playing with it and she kept trying to get rid of it she did everything she could to get rid of it and it would be it would find its way back into her car or the trunk of her car or I mean I, I don't remember exactly how she finally got rid of it but yeah, it, it was attached to her, no matter what she would
5: do. <laughs> well, it's not, a, you know, it's not a good idea to break them
2: Mm-mm.
5: or to burn them, right, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you know, the burn, if I was going to go with one or the other, I'd go with a burning belt. But, but uh, fire supposedly cleanses, you know. But I would not definitely not break and throw it in the trash. Uh, actually, I had a voodoo case very similar to that, although it didn't concern a, a, a Ouija board where this uh, woman uh, called me. She had a dog grooming service, by the way. She had, well, she owned two houses. She lived in one, and the other house was her her dog grooming business. And she called me, and it was one of my very interesting voodoo cases. Hmm. And uh, she called me in and said that this Mama Loa had rented a house in the neighborhood across the street from her house. And the Mama Loa had come over there and given her a bottle of some kind of black liquid, a little bottle for real. And she said, here, honey, you put this in your house and it'll bless your house and all this stuff, you know. And she said, well, she said, I didn't want to offend the woman. I took the bottle, you know, I took it. And she left. And when, as soon as she left, a weird thing is to happen. You know all kind of strange things the standard stuff doors opening she even looked in the car here's the interesting thing she even looked in the closet she showed it to me i took a picture of it. i don't know where it's at now but i had a picture of it one time well it was a stain on the roof of the closet it looked just exactly like a 666 mm-hmm. and whether that was put there or that on that but anyway i told her i said you paint over that just in case uh paint over it anyway um the woman said, I threw the bottle away. I thought, oh, I wish i hadn't done that. You know, I threw them all away. I, I went around looking for a, a, a mojo thing, you know, that was left. They're usually if they put a, some type of a voodoo spell, they'll leave like a, a, a mojo type thing around, you know, like maybe a little doll or something, you know, with fe- something with feathers, you
2: know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: And um, so anyway, uh, I didn't find anything. But I went ahead and did a, a location blessing on their house and all that. And here's the interesting thing, and this happens a lot, and I've seen it happen. Uh, I was with another guy, he was with me, and we started down the, you know, when you bless a house, have that blessing, cleansing thing going on, you have to do every bit of the place. Everywhere accessible. You have to do the closets, the bathrooms, the, 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 the covers, everything has mm-hmm. to be blessed. Mm-hmm. You can't leave a spot in that house for something to remain, okay? And you, then you have to bless the people and everything that lived there, and every living thing. And so I've blessed a lot of cats and dogs, uh, parrots, and uh, everything is in there has to be blessed that way. That's part of the whole thing. And then you do the outside, you know. But anyway. I started down during the ceremony, I started down the steps into the basement. Now, this was a kind of a what I call an open basement. You could see outside to the vents, you know. So it mm-hmm. wasn't compart- completely closed in. But there was no wind blowing that day. Okay, I gotta stipulate that. But before I could cast the salt down these stairs, something went past me. I mean, a big wind, like. And the guy, With me, said, You see that shadow? I didn't see the shadow, but I felt the wind of it. And it went by us so quickly that evil spirit or whatever it was was getting the heck out of Dodge, okay? (laughs) It went boom, flew right past us, and it went up through the upstairs. Something fell over the bam, big loud noise, bam. And I finished up and went back upstairs, and the woman and her her husband, her husband helped her with the grimacer. She said, did you hear that noise? What was it? Sound like something fell over. Well, we can. We looked around. Nothing had fallen over. I said, but that happens a lot of times when these spirits leave. They don't leave in a good way. They make a noise. They make an exit,
2: mm-hmm. and you don't
5: know it. You know. And that one was really getting out of dodge. Out there. But uh, that solved her problem. And uh, and what had happened though with this Mama Loa, whatever it was that black liquid was. She had actually cast some kind of vampire spirit on this poor lady, because this woman, when she first comes, she said, "Mister Girl, I could do twenty dogs a day. A few weeks ago, I could do twenty dogs a day. Now I barely do one or two. She said I go home and lay down, and that's it. I can't do anything. She said, "I've been checked. The doctor's checked me. There's nothing wrong with me physically." Well, when I heard that. I said, "Oh, that sounds like a vampire spirit."
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, so I said. Definitely, you know we need to take care of that because that, that can be bad on you. What it's doing, it's not like the vampire in the Hollywood movie. It's not sucking your blood out, but it's actually feeding off your life essence. Right. Spiritually, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever met anybody like that? You ever meet anybody yes. that's kind of draining you? Far too, you know? too <laughs> Far too many people. Far
1: too many people. Yeah, well, that's
5: what you got kind of to deal with here on that. Uh, uh, I won't elaborate on that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, just in case. Um, but anyway, uh that that was what this poor lady was dealing with. And after that had that day, she called me back. I did thirty dogs yesterday. I'm good, I'm doing great. I said, Well that's what I like that's what I like to hear. And, uh, said, but when the Mama Loa left that neighborhood, they had to redo that whole house. They said it was all kinds of black like magic symbols on the walls inside that house and everything else. She was a bad Mama Loa.
1: Mhm. Sounds like evidently. It. Yeah.
3: Okay, so earlier you said you have worked at a hospital for thirty years, and you had not just encounters like uh-huh. at the you know in in the 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 private office of the doctor. But what other encounters did you come across? Did you have morgue encounters? Or
5: well, yeah, uh, several distinctive encounters I had while I worked there. Uh, I worked in the morgue. I helped out in the morgue once in a while. That was not my job, but. I helped the the guy out. I actually worked down the hall from him in the morgue uh, for a long time, and he would call me once in a while, hey, Dennis, I need a help. I need a hand up here, you know. And so uh, I got to see all the many different phases of death, definitely. Um, But um, one of the most interesting incidents I had while I was working there at the hospital, when I first went to work there, I worked in the laundry. That was a very interesting experience. Believe me, we... once in a while, I find body parts in the sheets and stuff like that. But uh, um, okay. I worked in
4: the
5: I worked in the, the clean section usually of the laundry. That was where I had to take, deliver stuff to the floors and all that. But anyway, my job every morning, and I have to, have to get up at dawn and go to the hospital. I would be up uh, probably about five thirty in the morning. I would get there and open the laundry up. And um, every morning, I would go there. I would hear this noise. And It was like a long hall that went to the door to where the laundry was, and uh, and I would go down this hall, and in the hall where I would hear this noise, and it was kind of a squeak, weird, squeaky kind of noise. I could never figure out what it was, and and for many for many months I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because you know in the laundry you got steam pipes, you got you know you got a lot of stuff going on, but this was outside the locker. It was the hall outside, but I said, oh, probably something like that. I didn't think about it, you know. But then after a while, I began to notice it more. I said, what is that, you know, kind of being a curious fellow, and I know I'm kind of like Curious George. I had to kind of figure out what was going on here, you know. What is that, you know? There had to be an explanation for it. I always look for an explanation, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, I got to checking around the pipes, the steam pipes, the presses, and I couldn't hear that noise. So I kind of cataloged that in my head there for a while. And then several months later, I had to go to the, uh, the basement of the hospital. Now this uh, hospital had a sub-basement too. Matter in fact, it had a sub-sub-sub-basement, a three-level kind of a basement. They went down, they had a tunnel that runs through there. It was like something out of a movie. Um, and you, could, I, I told somebody one time, there were places in that basement you could die and they probably never find your body. You know? But uh, anyway, it was a spooky-looking basement. And I was down there moving something around, looking. I had to get something. I forget now. It was like uh, something that had to be in the laundry. I forget what it was. But I was moving some stuff around, and I pushed this stretcher, an old-time stretcher that was there. and had some stuff on it. And I pushed it out of the way, and there was that noise, that squeaky noise. That was that stretcher. And I said, oh, that's what it is. It's a stretcher, you know. That's how, that's what it looks. So I went back and I investigated a little bit more, and I come to find out this: back in the days of segregation, that section where the laundry was was originally the black ward where the black people were put, and and a lot of people died in that ward. You know, a lot happens at a hospital; people pass away, mm-hmm. and they would take the body down that like very hall in you know, a stretcher to the mower, Okay. And that's what I was hearing. That's what I. And, and here's the weird thing: when I understood what it was, I was here. And after oh. what it was, I listened for it and never heard it again.
0: Hmm. That's a bit creepy.
3: It, it was
5: almost once it got my attention. It didn't want, you it didn't well, want me to it. You, you.
3: You figured out yeah. what it was, and you knew it yeah. was. You, knew, you, you acknowledged it. It's like, okay, we don't have to bug you anymore. We'll find someone else to say, hey, pay attention to me.
5: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That was very strange. And another incident I had at that hospital, which was very interesting as an investigator, I had a uh, ambulance driver come to me one day. I said, uh, uh, would you believe something if I told you something? I said, well, go ahead and try me. You know, he said, well, I think my ambulance is home. I said, really? What makes you say that? Because somebody die in it? You know, of course, you know, people die in ambulances.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said,
5: no, it's the guy who worked the ambulance. He was a diver with me, and he got killed in an automobile accident. Oh. He said, ever since, I think his name was Bill. So said, ever since Bill died, things have been going on in the ambulance. Like, you know, he had a certain way of cattle You know, you have a lot of supplies now. Mm-hmm. He said, he had a certain way of cataloging stuff that I could never get to. And we always had we had fun about that. You did this this way, I do it the other way. You know, kind of thing. He said, but he said, here lately, I keep noticing things are moved the very same way Bill would put them in there. He said, and one day I got in um, the ambulance and I could smell his aftershave, you know. And it wasn't there, you know. It's been weeks since he died, you know. He said, I think my ambulance is home. You know. I said, well. I said that's a possibility because that was the last thing he was on the way to work when he got killed. By the way, you know. And and I said, "Well, that's ridiculous. the last thing. <laughs> that's the last place destination he was going." You know. And I, know I he said, said, "Here's that. what you do. You park your hammock somewhere tonight, and talk to Bill. And I say, Bill, you don't need to come back here anymore. You don't need to work here anymore. You retired now. Go on to where you need to go, Bill, and and be at least, Be at rest. Be at peace." And you don't have to worry about the ambulance anymore. I got it from here on out. And he did that. And he said, you know what? Everything is okay now. Everything is just fine. Nothing else has happened. So sometimes I think spirits get confused. And they may not know exactly where they're at or what they need to do. Uh, I run into that. And a lot of times, as a matter of fact, I had a, a case where uh, this farmer had gotten killed out in a field on a tractor accident. The tractor turned over on this guy. And he died <laughs> out there in the field. And his daughter told me about this. And his daughter, children, grandchildren, had seen Papa, as they called him, walking across the field while he's coming home. They had seen him. And they didn't even know who he was. They'd never seen a picture of him. And when she got her picture of her dad out said, is this the man you saw? So oh, yeah, him. That's the man in the field. I said, how did they find your father? I said, well, he had died trying to get out from under that cut. That's how he died. I said, well, your dad's last thoughts were getting home, going home. <laughs> I said, let me go out to the field tonight. You go with me. And I want to talk to your father. So I go out there and I tell him, I said, I called him by name. I forget what his name was, Henry or something like that. But Henry, I said, you don't need to stay here anymore. You need to go on to the light. You know, go on to where you need to go, Henry. Everything's okay. We know you're not going, you know, you can't come home anymore. Go to your bit home now. Go go where you need to go and, and be at peace, be at risk. And they, as far as I know, ever saw him in the field again. But uh, sometimes you have to <laughs> do a soul rescue. I call them soul rescues, you know.
3: I have to interject something really quick. We start talking about the ambulance. I uh, hit into a loop of deja vu up until you said that the farmer had been had had died under the tractor, like complete. This I
5: have the struggle to get dude, somewhere. Yeah. That,
3: well, that that whole portion I was. Cold chills, because it was a complete <laughs> moment of this, I remember, well, this, I remember, this, I remember.
5: Well, I'm going to tell you this, it's very spiritual, what you're talking about here, and it does touch you spiritually. Um, you know, to know that, that someone is lost, maybe, and or confused, and to get, to turn them in the right direction is a good thing, you know? Yep. matter of fact, I did that with a, uh, this woman had a thing going on with a little child being seen in her yard it would disappear and I I started. you know, you got to do a lot of research. You got to find the history of places. That's what goes with this job. Okay. And I found out that in front of her house, this little eight year old boy had been run over and killed. And it had not been probably like two years before she moved to this. So she didn't know anything about it. It happened like two years before she moved there. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: When I found this out, I went out in the yard and I found out what the little boy's name was. His name's Billy. I said, Billy, will not you listen to me? Come here. Come here and listen to me, Billy. I said, I know you had an accident out here, okay? Something bad has happened to you, but there's good things waiting for you, Billy. You know, go on on to the right now. Go where you need to go. You don't need to stay here anymore. It's okay. Your mama understands. Everybody knows. Time for you to go now. You know, you don't need to stay here. And uh, I think as far as I've heard since then, Nobody's seen that lowball anymore, but uh, I think the places of great trauma, especially if it's an accident, like a car out of an accident or a tractor accident or whatever getting run over, it's a very traumatic thing. Of course, yep. death is a traumatic thing. Usually, it's it is very traumatic. The most traumatic thing you'll ever run into, and it leaves. A mark on your soul it leaves you and it can confuse you perhaps and even attach you to that place where that trauma happened you know uh, I see many I know you say this out where you live too where the people put crosses by the side of the road where somebody you know you wouldn't believe how many stories I hear of things being seen by those crosses uh, people stand standing there that aren't really people that belong here Anymore, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it it venerates. It's kind of good in one way, and kind of bad in another. That they venerate that place where that trauma mm-hmm. happened, because it can make things be attached to it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. you know. No,
1: I agree. I think there's a lot of spiritual attachment together. when that happens, and
5: uh-huh.
1: I'm sure that attracts something.
5: I know a guy. One time he did, and it's a quick story. He told me this, he told me this, that he, uh, his father died and he had his father cremated and his father wanted his ashes scattered by this highway. Uh, I forget where it was at, but his, he had, had I think some good times in his youth on his highway or something or whatever. And he stopped one night and scattered his dad's ashes out in this field. And he said for three or four weeks after that, he would go by there, and he would see somebody standing out in that field. It looked very much like his father. And I asked him, did you ever stop? Didn't you ever stop thinking, want well, to take a, good, a closer look? And he said, no, I was really afraid to, you know, what I might see. But it stopped happening after a while. You didn't see it anymore. And he said, it was almost, and I said, well, probably this is what it was, if it was your father. He was kind of just letting you know that everything was all right. He was where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? mm-hmm
5: uh what we call those crisis apparitions right they uh they come and tell us things and to comfort us i think that's really a gift from god in other words to let them come and give you that comfort to let them know that they're something beyond and they're there they're happy they're okay you know yep. uh, i've had many many cases of that
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
5: then and, and here's the thing about it it's not scary you know it's not scary spooky it, it kind of gives you a good feeling. Now, that's a good thing. If it gives you a good, positive feeling, it's definitely a good thing.
1: Yeah. You
2: know?
1: Yeah. Well, I've heard in most cases they're actually really comforting. I mean, you're startled at first, but then you realize what's going on, and it's like you get that little bit of, uh, you get that goodbye, basically, that you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have gotten uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. Yeah.
5: And you know, the, the very first time I ever saw a full-bodied apparition, the Holy Grail of course, uh, I saw, uh, I didn't really realize it was an apparition.
2: Mm-hmm. It was, it
5: looked so real uh, and so solid that uh, I was in a house and I, could, I can tell you right now exactly, it was an old, older, elderly lady. She had on a house, I remember the house so well. Had on a pink looking flowery house coat, had bedroom shoes on, across the hall down below me. And it was only me and this other woman in the house. And I went to where she was at in the kitchen. I said, is there somebody else here with her? You know, cause I was setting the camera up in that hall when she passed across. And, behold it. and she said, no, it's just you and me as far as I know. And I said, well, I just saw a lady down the end of the hall. And I said, she had all the house. She said, oh, my God, that's my mother. She passed away in that room down there. Hmm. But she looked so real. I mean <laughs> yeah. it didn't it didn't at the time say, Oh, that's a coach. you know. I didn't Yeah. It didn't register, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought it was somebody.
1: Wow. Well, we could sit here and talk all night long, I'm sure.
2: Oh yeah. But probably
1: could, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think we could, I don't, I don't think people would want, well, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> before we go, though. I'm sure they're
0: loving listening to you. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Care definitely, it, right? definitely.
1: No, so before we, we let you go here, Dennis, I wanted to know if you wanted to talk about your podcast or your books or anything like that.
5: Well, uh, you can, uh, uh, I've got several books available on Amazon. One of them is called uh, Beyond the Shadows, the Paranormal Field Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, which tells you a lot about interesting things, how to investigate in the correct way and the right way to do it. And then I have another, my favorite, is The Road Unseen, A Paranormal Journey into High Strangeness, where I talk about some of the things that happened and some different things. I kind of It's kind of a little bit like an encyclopedia of the high strangeness uh, thing too. And then I have a broadcast every uh, Friday night uh, with my uh, host, William Nighthawk, and it's called Into the Red Rabbit Hole, and it's on every night at the uh, Nighthawk High Strangeness podcast channel on YouTube, and it's also on Facebook, and it's on every Friday night at 10. And then um, every uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, we have a show that's called uh, a a, a weekend morning paranormal weekend morning brew, and we have that at 10 10 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So we keep busy, and we're also doing a special now because uh, called Becoming Monsters, where we talk about nothing but different cryptids. Uh, uh, each show, we pick out one, and we talk about it. My last one was about uh, the Wendigo, which was interesting. And Mothman was the one we did last time. But anyway, uh, that's on uh, there as well. So uh, you can also find the link for that on my website, which is Dennis. D-E-N-N-I-S-W-C-A-R-R-O-L-L dot com, one word, dot com, and uh, all the links on there. And and, uh, and if anybody needs to contact me, my email is ghostwolfdc at gmail dot com.
1: Mm-hmm. And they can also contact you from the website itself, too, as, as mm-hmm. I've noticed, too. Yes, sir. For consultation that's, uh, and whatnot. That's correct. Mm-hmm.
5: I've got yeah. a form on there you can fill out if you have a questions or anything going on you want to talk to me about.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Well, you, uh, you ladies got anything else you'd like to add? I'm good. Tracy?
5: I'm, I'm going to go crawl on your website in about 10 minutes, so. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All
5: right. I need to redo it. It needs to be modernized a little bit. It's a little bit clunkier, old one there, but I'm going to have to get some work done on it.
1: Well, that's, that's that's always something, to do oh. Yeah, always something. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Dennis, we are a little short on time here, so I'm going to say, you know, thanks for ha- thanks for being on the show with us. Been a pleasure. Yeah, we we enjoyed right. we enjoyed talking to you a lot. Oh yes. Um, would you be thank you, thank you? Would you be willing to come on well, again in the future and talk to us? All right. All right. Great. <laughs> well.
2: <laughs> Don't sound
0: so excited. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: Well, again, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we're going to let you go. Hope you have a good night. And, right, you too. Talk, take care. You too now. Talk to you soon. We'll try. Right. Okay. That was that was uh, Dennis. What did you guys think of Dennis?
0: I think he's got a lot of good, good interesting stories and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm. He
3: is a trip to listen to. Oh yeah, he's definitely a trip to listen
1: to. Oh, we could listen to him all night, and probably would have if he let us.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know where he is, it's currently now you know oh dark thirty, and. Uh, well, yeah,
1: I didn't want to keep he him too long. at
3: to some point.
1: But he's got a bunch of stories. I'm sure he could have talked all night long with us.
0: He's got plenty. But. Yep. Interesting things to say and listen to. So yep. yeah.
1: So we'll have him on again and, and probably talk about back. some specific He, he didn't
0: seem too interested in coming back. He sounded <laughs> he was like apprehensive. Did you hear it or was it just me?
1: Uh, I don't think it was that. It it, it felt
0: like. I, I
3: think it was it was the he, he heard we're short on time. I'll stop now. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> because he looked he looked primed for it. So yep, I'm yep. excited. I hope he comes back. In I do
0: No, no. I just—he almost didn't sound like he wanted to come I'm, back. I'm sure <laughs> I can probably
1: get him back again. But it was good talking. I think to we're you. good, Dennis. <laughs> it was good talking to you. Just in case it, you're, you're listening,
0: it was—it was great yes, having you was. on. It really was. I,
1: yeah. I really enjoyed it, and I want to hear some of his old war stories. There. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, for now though, I think that's <laughs> going to do it for tonight. Is there anything else you ladies like to add before we go? Yeah.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: You were on the verge of saying something there, Tracy.
3: Uh, Like, um, just keep, if you're in the west coast, you're being blown one direction. If you're in the east coast, you're being blown another direction. And if you're in the
0: west, you're being blown by both sides.
2: Yeah.
1: That, or you're being blown in all directions, you know, tornado and all that stuff.
3: (laughs) Just be safe. It's, It's a wild winter that we're going through and Yes. try to keep your, your your roof on and your, your, your uh, toes in the ground because all oh, my stars
1: but there is one good thing to come <laughs> out of it we're out of the drought
3: how many years was it for sure above ground water for above ground water we're still in a water deficit for, for the reservoirs so that's true for, for the, the aquifers rather yep. we
1: won't be for long but for the below ground we're
0: good we won't be for long though
1: well, well it,
3: depends on how long it takes the water to filter back into the aquifers. You know, we'll
1: see how it plays out. There's we'll still lots it of da- there's still plenty of days of rain in the forecast.
3: Oh yes, there are, there are,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: snow. Yep, lots of snow.
1: That's the snow <laughs> we really want. That's that's where all the water's at. Anyway, we're going to close it off for tonight, folks. We hope you had a good night, enjoyed the and enjoyed our 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 guest tonight.
0: Our our very very interesting guest. Yep. Yes no sarcasm That was awesome fun intended
1: and I look forward I know, in, in the awesome. new, yep. hey, he was and I look forward in the new year to having more guests just like him on yay
0: yay
1: uh, I'll keep I'll keep on it we'll get some good people on
0: definitely have to go and listen to his podcast yep yep I have not done that yes. yet
1: yep in, it's well, into, tomorrow ready, night
0: 10 o'clock it's
1: into the Red Rabbit podcast we're we'll going to have to check that out Don't mind us. The cats are being acrobats Uh, again.
0: (laughs) Stupidity runs rampant in this house with our animals.
1: All right, folks. Well, I'm going to put it out there real quick. If you you, uh, are enjoying the show, send us a message. Let us know what you think. Definitely. And also, I am always looking for interviews. So if you've got a story you want to tell, let me know. We'll get you on. Definitely. Um... You know, we're always looking for, for stories for the podcast. We also have the midweek roll. If you got something specific you want to talk about, we can put you on for the midweek roll. Um, you guys want to add anything to that?
0: I think you pretty much said it all right now.
1: Okay. I don't know.
0: If you
3: like us, leave us a message. If you like us, let your friends know.
1: Mm-hmm. And you can leave us a message, we right? Very easily.
2: Yeah, leave
3: us messages. Yep.
1: You can, you can message on. The, there's a link right below the description on this podcast or whichever format you're listening to. Click that link. Leave us a message. You know, just even if you just want to tell us you like the show or you hate it. Hopefully you don't say that. but
0: Or why you don't like it. What needs improvement. We don't
1: need the specifics. But, you know, and, and if you want to come on the show, you can always email us at what the podcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a message at the What in the Podcast. The What in the Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, what the heck's a podcast? I
4: don't know. You
1: can leave us a message at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. Yep,
4: yep, yep.
1: Tracy or Adriana or myself will again. get back to you. But until then, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it because apparently I'm having trouble talking at this point. Stay spooky, folks, and cue the, the gremlin. What in the Podcast is a part of the What in the Podcast Network and is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast@gmail.com gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. What in the podcast is also made possible thanks to our sponsors and listeners like you. Thanks for listening.